0: What's up, guys? Brian Jackson here, along with Chris Hughesby, and we're back for season four of the 4th Down Experience podcast, and uh, we're excited because we have Division 1 AA FCS program, special teams program coordinator, uh, Coach Howard with us. Uh, First, welcome to the show, Chris. Chris, how's it going, man?
1: Doing good. Doing great. Great to be back. Excited to start season four. Uh, We have a nice little list of coaches and players that we're going to interview here this season, so uh, we're excited to have Coach Howard with us. Uh, he's a guy that we've known for about what three or four years now, uh, doing a phenomenal job out of Central Arkansas. But Coach, let's let you, when we start this interview off, why don't you talk a little bit about yourself and your history?
2: Yeah, uh, appreciate you guys uh, having me on here. Um, enjoy catching up with you guys. And uh all the help you guys have been um, last several years. And um, so I grew up in in Birmingham, Alabama, Uh, came to school here at Central Arkansas, um, played quarterback uh, from 2010, 2014. Then once I finished up playing, uh, was able to get on staff here um, at Central Arkansas. And uh, my first title was just director of football operations um, and helped out with the quarterbacks. And then from there, became tight ends coach. And then, uh, when, when our head coach and change, uh, happened, uh, became the receivers coach and special teams coordinator, um, during that. And so going on my third season now, uh, as a special teams coordinator, um, and just continuing to just learn as much as I can. And, um, just like most people, when they get a new job, you know, obviously being a quarterback and and being a special teams coordinator, um, didn't really have a whole lot to do with special teams as a player. Um, so once I kind of got in this role, you know, I just kind of got my feet wet and and took off running um, and, and learned and as much as I could. And, and so here we are today.
0: Yeah. I remember, uh, you know, meeting you um, when we got to do the, the special teams camps, you know, when we were allowed to to come to division one schools and D two schools and run kicking camps. And it was fun to, to see where you were and um, your growth as a, as a collegiate coach. And then the next year you were the special teams coordinator and it was really cool. Cause we uh, both you, myself and Chris, we had a lot of really cool conversations about kickers and, and snappers. And um, I know coach Campbell at the time was, was a great influence and um, your coaching staff now has been, been really cool. A lot of great people, a lot of great specialists. So um, it's just been really fun to watch you and, and the special team side of things, you guys do a, a great job at central Arkansas, and uh, i love I love the field there. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what do you think about the field coach
2: yeah it's uh it, it's a good one for sure you know it's definitely definitely a home field advantage um, for our guys and uh, takes takes the opposing team a little bit to, to get adjusted to so it's it's definitely good and it's unique for sure you know it's, it's definitely one of the most unique fields I would say in, in the country. Um, at least from the yeah. ones that I've seen. So we yeah, enjoy one it.
1: One of my favorites for sure as well. Love the colors. Yeah. St. Thomas colors as well. So I had a little <laughs> extra tie to, to
2: uh, UCA. Yeah, there you go.
0: So coach, obviously, you know, about twenty-minute interview here and, you know, we're gonna ask you some, some interesting questions, just kind of want to get your, your tips and some things that we can learn and, and help, help the audience here. And so uh, just, just, to start from the top here, you know what are some characteristics that you uh, look at when you're looking at like prospective specialists, kickers, punters, long snappers.
2: Yeah, obviously, um, obviously, first of all, their skill set. Um, you know, making sure they have uh, the power, um, whatever it might be, whether it's velocity on the snap, power um, on the kick, punt. Um, you know, obviously, you got to check that box first. You know, and then a big characteristic. Um, that I look for is uh, being an athlete you know um, I, I really really like seeing punters kickers deep snappers that play other positions um, and actually play other positions don't just claim to be uh, you know a tight end or or a linebacker or something but guys that actually play other positions because um, I think that that has a lot to do with it because I just think overall I mean in any position is just like when my Uh, receivers I look for is, is, are they, are they a multiple sport player? You know, can they do a lot of different things? Um, Can they play multiple positions? Uh, You know, because a lot of times athletic ability takes over, you know, no matter what your uh, position is uh, or whatever, you know, just being a good athlete helps you develop and helps you learn quicker and helps you just be better at your craft um, from what I think. So I would say those are the two main uh, things. And then another big one, you know. Uh, lastly, before I decide on, um, you know, if it's going to be a guy that I decide to offer, or not is it, your character and your background, um, you know, and, and making sure that that it's a good fit for our program and a good fit for our, our specialist room um, in that, because obviously that's that's first and foremost. Um, you know, you don't ever want to bring a bad apple into a good group, um, and and so that's that's definitely the the number one thing that I look for in the most is just, is he going to be a good fit for our room? Uh, You know, because we want guys that get along, but we also want guys that are going to compete, you know, compete and push each other, you know, but we're going to do it in a respectable manner. Um, You know, we're going to do it and do it the right way and and push each other to be the best and uh, compete with each other. But as soon as somebody wins the job or somebody does this, we're all going to be there to pat the guy on the back uh, when he does well. Um, and, and cheer them on, and, and don't want any, just any um, division in, in that room. So, so that's the most important uh, piece to me. Is just what what's the personality fit uh, from the guy?
1: Yeah, I mean, you seem to hit it right on. I mean, the camaraderie camaraderie element uh, is important in the atmosphere, and you kind of are tying into our our next question here. But once once you have the players on on site, or you know, part of your roster. You know, what what are your some of the expectations that you expect of specialists? You know, maybe yeah, throughout well, the year and season and, and everything.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, first and foremost, you know, I tell my guys, don't expect to get treated any differently because you're a specialist. Um, you know, and that goes in the weight room, out of practice, whatever. I mean, you're part of this team. You're going to be asked to do what everybody else does. Um, and you're going to be expected to perform at a high level just like everybody else. Um, you know, and that's kind of a new thing. Uh, I think for a lot of specialists when they come to college is they're not really used to just a rigorous strength, conditioning, off-season program, you know, just the high demand that a lot of colleges ask. Uh, and I think that's a big part in the specialist room as well. You know, it teaches those guys to compete uh, in the weight room and uh, in the conditioning circuit, and it teaches them to push themselves, you know, when it's not easy, when, when adversity hits. So I think a lot of those characteristics come out uh, that help a specialist as well. So that's first and foremost kind of the expectation um, that I expect my guys is, look, I'm not going to treat you any differently than I treat my receivers. Uh, you're going to be held to the same standard as those guys, and, and you're going to be held to the standard to perform and, and do things the way that we ask you to do to the best of your ability. Um, and and so that that's really the main thing that I expect out of my guys. is like I tell all my guys, receiver specialists, is, the, there's two things I expect out of you: great effort and a great attitude. Um, you know, and, and and do what we ask, and and go go as hard as you can, and a hundred miles an hour, and and um, get better. You know, because I think, uh, like I said, that that's stuff's going to translate to on the field as well, uh, and and build what we need to to build a high caliber um, group of specialists in our room.
0: I think that's huge. You know, just having that type of culture in your specialist room Uh, I I love hearing all that stuff because I would have loved to have that like 17 18 years ago when I was playing like you know we had a a coach tagged us but we didn't really necessarily have like a position room or like when you talk about like your room and your culture and and that like I'm kind of jealous hearing that I wish I would have had that so I think guys don't even realize like now you have like coaches and it's not just like you don't know anything you you know things, you know, especially playing quarterback, you know, holding and all that stuff and, and punting, but like you've been around so many great head coaches and special teams coordinators and kicking coaches and snapping coaches. Like you're doing a phenomenal job. Um, just out of curiosity, like division one, division two, II, division three football in general, like expectations coach, like um, operation time for field goal operations and punt operations. like at the college level, what are some good benchmarks so that way these kids know when they're listening?
2: Yeah, um, you know, field goal wise, um, we're, uh, we're not your traditional seven yards back, we're eight yards, like most NFL teams that you see, um, eight yards back, and so our, our op time bond on field goal um, is we want a, a one, two, a one, two, five at most, you know, really, really pushing for that one, two, three range um, overall. You know, and so that's what we're shooting for. Um, you know, and you know, just field goal. I mean, you guys know, field goal is kind of hard to tell that snapper what time you want on a field goal snap because it just happens so quick. But the the big thing with uh, the snapper on on field goals is we want that thing right over the spot. You know, wherever that holder puts his spot at, that's where we that's where we need that football. We don't because for that kicker to to go when that ball is snapped and that and that ball moves and it just the time up perfect is that snap's got to be in the spot that that thing's got to be held uh and so that's the big thing as far as field goal um that we look for on on for the snapper's sake is we want that ball right over the hold um, wherever that that hold is at that that holder has um that's where we want the ball and then the, and then the kicker his job is you know he he's not he's got to trust the holder um, you know, as soon as those holders' hands go up, that that kicker's got to go. You know, and and he's not stopping. He he's got to trust that um, the holder's going to get it in the right spot, and 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 his job is to stay on his track and and put it through. You know, and I think that's a lot of, um, especially kickers coming from the high school. They don't trust the holders right away in college uh, for whatever reason, whether their holder in high school was suspect um, or their snapper was was suspect you know that's the biggest thing uh for the kickers is we they have to trust the snapper and the holder to do their job um, just like they're trusting the kicker to do his job um and, and it's just kind of working like a machine and so so that's kind of our field goal expectations and then punt um uh, you know punt expectations we're 2-0 time you know so our our punt for my punters um i mean my snappers is i won't at least you know 0.8 is, is what everybody says but I'm more of about a 0.78 um point seven seven, point seven eight from the punter um you know and so that how that gives the the I mean the deep snapper and then the punter he's he's a a 1.2 or lower um catch the foot time uh is what he he has to get to uh you know cuz that at the division 1 level for sure um you know, if you're anything over 2-0, then, then you're flirting with getting that thing blocked, um, you know. And, and that's the biggest thing that our punters have to understand in our protection is there's a guy that's going to be rushing, and he's the punter's man. I mean, he's the op guy. If he blocks it, it's because our op time's too slow. It's not because of protection breakdown. It's op time specifically. Um, and and so, so our punters are aware of that. They know that, um, you know. And then we ask to do different types of punts. Um, that we ask our guys to do. And so those snappers, they got to understand where they cannot miss at on, on those punts. You know, if we're going a rugby punt to the right, then our deep snapper knows I can't miss left. You know, I can't make that punter have to step left before he goes right, because now he he gets out of his protection um, safeguard and, and a ball can be blocked or and, and same thing when we go our directional punt you know if he's if he's puts that ball opposite of where we're trying to get to it makes it it makes it tough for that punter um, puts a lot of stress on that punter to get back in um in his line that he needs to for protection and so i think that's one thing a lot of um, deep snappers and coming out of high school into college they don't fully understand that um part of it is just how precise that you have to be with your punt um, you know and and one thing um, high school punters struggle with coming to college is a lot of them like to take a, a, a jab step you know a little hitch step instead of being a true two-step punter they want to be about a two and a half step punter um, and they don't realize just what a simple hitch step can do to slow down your op times um, you know and, and it's just a lot different you know I'm a big two-step punter Um, guy I don't I don't do two and a half you know if if I got a guy that's two and a half we're gonna get it out of him Uh, because that half step takes time and and it can lead to to block punts so that's a transition that a lot of um, high school punters don't really realize that they have to get corrected when they get here.
1: Uh, Well speaking of the expectation in terms of operation time as athletes come into college in general, but maybe specifically to your, your program, like what is, what's the time management like? What, what can they expect about like division one caliber football and of the uses of their day and time and how that flows?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, for our schedule, um, you know, during, during the season, our guys, um, they'll get a morning lift, um, two times a week, uh, morning lift. And then we'll start meetings around two o'clock for special teams meetings. Um, and then, um, you know, pre, pre-COVID period, I would meet with my specialist before practice in my office. Um, and, and we'd watch film uh, if we needed to, uh, from pre- just printing on what we did previous days. Um, and, and then we'd go out to practice, obviously have practice. Um, we'll do special teams every day. We'll hit two special teams every day during the season, um, sometimes three. Um, and then uh, once, once practice is over, then they'll um, be on their own, you know, go get treatment after practice if they need it, um, go eat, go study. They're basically dismissed after practice. And so that's kind of how the end season uh, schedule works. Um, and it's, you know, that's really what the end season, then off season, um, you know, we can only get so many t- hours with the guys, with coaches. And so um, what we'll do is we'll lift at least two hours a day, um, every day, and then um, I'll give my guys a, just a weekly routine schedule uh, of what what drills need to be performed and what kicks um, throughout the week. Um, you know, usually typically give them about four days a week of drill work um, is what kind of their off-season uh, consists of. Nice.
1: That's
0: yeah. great. It's a pretty – it's pretty extensive, and you know, guys just need to be be ready for it if they have aspirations and and want to play at the college level. It's it sounds like a pretty crazy process, and obviously Chris and I have been through it, but things have changed now. So uh, obviously the time management still you know big deal, but there's just a lot more intangibles, um, coach. So just you know, kind of a, a random question, but we do get kids that ask us like should I say this on Twitter? Uh, You know, what if coaches don't like it if I say this or I'm just not going to say anything, you know, whatever. So I guess like, you know, answer this the best of your, to your ability, but like, are there any like pet peeves of yours on Twitter? Like that you see specialists that are doing on Twitter that you wish like, like you're cringing, like, ah, please stop doing that. Or, you know, maybe someone timed like a 5.0 ball to them and they, they post it and they say it's five oh and really it's only a 4.1 hang or something you know are are there any pet peeves that bother you that maybe specialists need like a wake-up call like man you know we probably shouldn't tweet that out or something
2: yeah um you know i think you know one thing i for me um really i would say my my base is is you know when i'll see videos of guys whether it's drills uh, on their own um or or even at camps or, or whatever, um, and and mostly in pun- punters really, um, is those, you know, like like you said, hit a big ball, you know, whether it's a big hang time or a lot of distance, you know, and and they'll take three steps into it. You know, they'll take or they'll take two, two big two and a half steps. You know, they're taking a gather step. You know, and I'll see that and I was like, man, that's great. Like that see I see how big your leg is, but like you're not you're not gonna take that long to punt a ball in a game you know and and I think that's one area where where high school guys are are so they just want to rave on how big a ball they hit um and they don't understand that us college coaches is like man yeah we get it you can hit a big ball but you hit a big ball on a two old hand to foot operation time you know like most most guys that that would call themselves Division One punters can can do that, if you had a two zero hand to foot time and so so that's one big thing to me. You know when guys show, when I see those videos, I don't just get an awe by, them, you know, because I look at your foot, your footwork. You know if you're taking three steps to hit that ball, it's like man that's great, but that doesn't do me any good because um, mm-hmm. you're not gonna have that long a time to catch and and punt the ball when you get here and and so and so that changes everything. Uh, you know Mm -hmm. you have a clock in your head and you go from all right it's two steps um, that that changes a lot of things and so I would say that that's really my biggest thing um, that I see a lot on Twitter whether it's a guy just working out on his own um, or or he's at a camp um, you know Um, and and so that's that's really the biggest thing that I would really say to, to high school guys is man that stuff's good but college coaches you know they look at everything and they see if it takes you three steps to do that, like a lot of that distance and power is going to come off when when you start speeding up your operation times.
0: When you look at like the blocking point coach, like just just general and broad scheme of things at every level, you know like even when we're running our camps when Chris and I are running camps and we we only let guys charge six punts in a row, and that's all they get, and we rate and rank them. You know, it's making me even think. Like, well, dang, maybe, maybe we also also should make it where they can't take a three and a half yard. They can't go past three and a half yards or four yards. And you know, like, what's the? Just out of curiosity, to you and everyone that you've talked to and everything you've done, what is the blocking point that they sh- should for sure not touch from where they're standing at to when the ball is being released by their foot and landing? Yeah.
2: I, I would say I would say four is the most four yards um i would say most most punters that i've seen um in college and i scout i would say it's, it's typically three and a half um but i would say i would say four is the most you know when i give my punt return team a block point to run at uh, a lot of times i find myself telling them aim 10 yards 10 yards from the line of scrimmage um and, and run to that spot you know it's either 10 or 11. you know rarely do i say 12 um, and if I'm saying nine, the punter's probably hitting the shield in the back. Yeah. Uh, anyways, mm-hmm. uh, on that, so I would say I would say four at most.
0: Yeah, that may be something, Chris, that we want to consider, like you know, letting guys know when they're warm up. You know, hey, if if you're releasing the ball at contact at four yards, you know, you're gonna get a, uh, you know, point five oh tenth penalty or or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. just a thought. Yeah. Cause that, you know, we don't want to put out ratings and rankings off guys that are taking six yard, six yard progression, which I mean, we don't see six yards, but I mean, yeah. we have seen, we, we've seen guys that take a full five yard, three step,
1: sometimes four steps too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and, you know, and just so you know, coach and everyone that's listening, like we don't want to mess with the guys when they come to the camp before they chart, but you know, we, we chart them, we film them. And then right after that, we tell them, Hey dude. Like that took you 2.5 seconds just to catch the ball and punt it. Yeah, you know, like coach, like you said, 2.0 opt time for snap, catch, then punt. Like you need to shorten it up to a two step and only cover two and a half yards. You're like so, we do do that, but you know, it'll be something that maybe Chris and I will look at to help you guys out as best we can. You know, when we're doing yeah. the camps.
2: Yeah, and it and it's tough. And when I do, you know, we have our camps, and I got a punter here and stuff. You know, a lot of times I won't if it's a punter I'm, I'm really into, I won't, I won't do the full up time cause I won't let the deep snapper mess it up. I'll just do hand to foot time. Um, if it's a guy and a lot of times when I do film, uh, you know, just cause a lot of these punters have bad deep snappers and it's hard to get up an time. And so obviously I'll watch their steps, but on film, I'll get their hand to foot time uh, on film, um, and, and get an idea of, of what their hand to foot time is and you know because that'll help me understand all right this guy's operation is, is is doable or this guy's operation is just way too slow to where I don't even want to risk you know having them speed it up
1: yeah uh, but speak you know speaking of the the pet peeves and things like that you know a question that we feel quite a bit from kids is like you know I think they just get nervous talking to college coaches a little bit and sometimes they are just afraid to ask certain questions and then there's certain questions that brian and i say like hey make sure you ask this Um, but what would you say are some pretty good like questions that it's okay for kids to ask you that you can sense that like maybe they're just a little too afraid to ask because they're they're afraid they're going to you know upset you or offend you in any way yeah
2: what, what can they ask for sure um you know i think i think it's really important especially when you talk about specialists uh, just cuz so many so many people out there um it it it's typically walk on spots uh, you know and and you got the preferred walk on deal that gets thrown around a lot um and, and far that and, and every school has a different definition of what a preferred walk on spot is um you know i wouldn't say uh, there's a universal definition of preferred walk on you know it, it's kind of each school's interpretation of it and and what they want to say um to it and so you know i think it's important that schools um, say what a preferred walk-on spot is for them, um, you know, and, and that's one thing I try to uh, echo to, to the guys that I offer it to is, is explain to them exactly what a preferred walk-on is for us um, because what we say is a preferred walk-on and what the school down the street says a preferred walk-on could be two different things. Um, and, and so I think that's first and foremost what they need to get an understanding of what that is, uh, and a lot of times guys will just hear that and they'll assume that every school is the same. Um, you know, and, and so I think that's first and foremost is they need to make sure that they do um, with that. And then um, secondly, it's, you know, find out, all right, well, if I do go on scholarship, what does that consist of? You know, obviously the FBS level um, will, will be all full rise because that's what they do. You know, FCS level can give some full rise and they can also split up scholarships, just like the D2 level. Um, so I think it's important for them to ask them that, and not only ask the coach what the scholarship would be for a specialist, but ask the coach what their other specialists are on. Um, you know, because if the coach says, "Oh, well, you're going to be on a full ride," but all the other specialists are on a half scholarship, well, what what's to think that you're going to be on a full ride? Um, you know, when all the other guys are on halves. And so, so I think that a good thing too, um, just for them to to know what what that would consist of um, as well. And so I think, and then, and then it's, you know, when you're talking about a walk-on spot, like coach, what is the chances of I, me actually getting put on? You know, some some programs don't award walk-on scholarships. Uh, now we're a program that that does, I mean, our, we have testament to that um, up and down our roster, specialists or non-specialists, but there are some programs that just won't, you know? and And so it's important for for those players to understand that and at least ask the question. I mean, you know, you don't know what type of answer the coach is going to give you, but at least they can ask it um, and, and and know that the question was asked for their for their education purposes um, on that. Because, it, it, you know, when you're talking about guys going to be walk-ons, you know, it's, and you go into a situation that's not what you thought it was, you know, and now you're talking about a wasted year of your, of your time um, that you could have been elsewhere trying to get a spot um, and, and everything. And so that would be kind of my main things that I think would be important for um, kids to ask is really just figure out exactly what what everything entails. You know, know how many kickers are on the roster, know how many snappers, punters. I mean, you, you need to know that um, and, and know just every little detail about it and – um and just get an understanding of what's actually being told to you is the biggest thing. I think a lot of times in recruiting, um, and this is all positions, but guys hear something and they just assume and, and to where the coach and the player is not on the same page because the player is assuming something and the coach is assuming something completely different um, on that. And so it's just good to just have an understanding of, of what a coach is actually telling you. And, and and not assuming that what every coach says is the exact same thing and means the exact same thing for his school, um, yeah. because every every coach is at a different program and a different spot, and every school does things differently.
1: I got a question on Twitter DMs, and I'm sure that you guys get you get hit up all the time. But a, a kid always asks us, like, "Hey, uh, I sent a DM, and he, he hasn't he hasn't looked at it. He hasn't responded in a week or a month or whatever. Like, in their eyes, like, what should they?" think or do if they're like super interested in your program or is it a sign that you guys just aren't interested or it's just not the right time? Cause sometimes we tell kids like, all right, well, they're probably busy. Um, yeah. just keep sending film and eventually they're going to see it. But like in your eyes, like, what is that? What's your vantage point when you see like DMs come through and, and all that type of stuff?
2: Yeah, I would definitely say, uh, continue just to shoot it at them. Um, uh, you know, I know for me, I mean, I mean, just right here, since we've had this conversation, you know, I think I've had like eight people message me you know, <laughs> just, just within this, however long we've been, we've been speaking, um, you know, and so um, that's why it's just, it's just big just to keep doing it. I mean, coaches might respond. They might not. It might take them a week to respond. You know, I know sometimes I'm on it takes me a week to respond um, to some guys and it's just, you get just so bombarded with that. Plus you're just in the, in the daily grind of the season Um, especially at your lower schools that don't have the manpower to stay in touch with these guys uh, as much, you know, I mean, I'm in my office every day trying to game plan, trying to win a game on Saturday, Um, you know, and so I'm going to get to my DM messages on Twitter when I can, (laughs) you know, I'm not going to make that the first priority because I got to figure out how to score touchdowns and not get kicks blocked uh, for the game on Saturday, you know, Um, and, and so, so just continue to message, and like you said, continue to send video. Uh, and and eventually, you know, hopefully the coach will get back to you. Uh, but don't, I would say if you're interested in them, don't ever give up. Don't ever give up until the coach just says, you know what, man, uh, you know, just don't think, don't think you'd be a fit for us. And, um, and until you get told no.
1: Perfect.
0: Yeah, and that, that's what we tell kids, you know, is like, you want to be persistent and you want to be proactive. But, you know, like like I, I tell kids all the time, like I'm 35, you know, the three of us are, are very similar in age, but like, you know, it 2003 grad, if I had Twitter in 2000, 2001, 2002, I would, I tell people at every camp, I would probably be the most annoying kid on Twitter as far as like contacting coaches. Cause I think I would still have the same thought process in mind is that I'm just going to keep asking every coach until I finally get like a response. And yeah you know, I may have, maybe when I was 16, 17, I may have been more defensive personally on, you know, well oh, this coach doesn't like me, but like, I still think I would have been just persistent, but we tell kids too, like, there is a such thing as being annoying. So please like find a happy medium, like contact coaches, but don't message them every single day expecting to get an answer. Maybe give it four or five days Yeah, because they're busy as heck and they get 300, 400 messages like yourself, like, you know, every day or every other day. And I mean, goodness, like the recruiting coordinator and the, you know, quarterbacks coach, I mean the head coach, like you guys get so many messages. Uh, we even tell, we even tell kids maybe, you know, set an alarm for like 5 a.m. and send a message to try to get back at the top of the feed on a coach's DM or, or maybe even at midnight or something um but also we would tell kids to to ask an open-ended question that will help you too like "Hey, coach and instead of saying check out my highlight exclamation point which is like an automated huddle message mm. but it, just say like hey coach howard congrats on the on the win last night against you know incarnate word or, or whoever right or sanford or whoever and just say then say like what do you think i could do better from my film if you have a chance to check it out because you know we tell guys like if you're sitting there hyping yourself up to college coaches that's not that's not really attracted to them like maybe give them a chance to give you some critique and feedback and even if they don't recruit you you just got division one division two division three level feedback from a coach I guess my question to you is is like is there anything that we can improve on that kind of feedback to kids
2: yeah it uh... Yeah, I would definitely say what you said is is good. Um, okay. You know, just don't know if it's an everyday ordeal. Uh, obviously, unless you're in a conversation with the coach, but you know, if you hadn't heard from the coach, don't don't. I would say, don't message them the next day. Um, you know, or just later that day. You know, give it give it a day or two. Um, hit them up again, and um, you know that's that's good. The just messaging at 5 a.m. or midnight just to get back on the coach's his Twitter feed, you know, because like you said, that's what happens to me is I'll get my my Twitter message will get so overloaded um to where somebody that I wanted to respond to, he's he's way down on the list and I don't ever get to him until one day when I just keep scrolling to look at unread messages and uh see a guy and I'm like, oh dang, I I, I meant to respond to that guy, you know, and, and I forgot or or whatever it might be. So, yeah, I think I think that's really good pointers uh, of what you're what you're telling them.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Um, well, so before, before we get to our, our staple question, uh, we, we wanted to ask this question because we can feel it. We can feel the tension building with this 2021 grad class. Uh, a lot of us know, maybe not necessarily the Bears, but, um, you know, specialists usually get put not i would say the back burner they're just you know they're they're the position that gets recruited later on because i mean you got to get your quarterback you got to get your linemen you know you got to get your linebackers etc they're important specialists y'all know i mean we know that y'all know specialists are important but these 2021 kps and ls's like these specialists we're giving them what we think is feedback, but we're not at college programs like y'all. And we don't know what the red shirt senior that's on scholarship is gonna do with this this eligibility situation. Um, I guess just in the broad scheme of things, coach, like what, what are some things that we should be telling 2021 specialists? What are some things that you would tell 2021 specialists, you know, over the next six months?
2: Yeah. Um yeah it's just this COVID deal is um making it very interesting not just for 2021 i mean but this thing is going to affect the next three years of recruiting classes four years um a lot of guys are just going to be left out to dry you know because every single player on our roster this year is basically non-existent like they're getting this year back and it's basically just a practice run for everybody so you're talking about senior classes being bigger uh, every year, you know, and, and until all of these guys funnel out, um, people are going to be affected, and and so it's really going to the next several years is, is the recruiting class is going to bother, and and you know, biggest thing this year for for all recruits, you know, specialists, non-specialists, if you get an opportunity, you better jump on board as fast as you can, um, and you know, the holdout and the waiting game this year. Could really really mess you up, uh, and and that's the that's the biggest thing. And I know typically years past, the the mo is all right. Let me hold out as long as I can, and a bigger school will come in. You know, and and that's great. And, and if you want to go that route this year, then go for it. But it's 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 risky um, because there's not as many spots open this year as there are every year, and so those those spots that a lot of people put all their marbles in there's not as many of them as there has been and and so that's my just advice to to all recruits is you get a you get something that you want especially a specialist if you get a scholarship offer you better jump on that um you know and it might not be your number one choice but if it's a good enough choice for you then, then I, would, I would definitely jump on that and, and not hold out. Because if you hold out, your only choice that you had might be gone. And now you might be back in finding a walk-on spot somewhere, um, you know. And I think for the walk-on guys um, and, and all specialists, whether you have film or not this year, um, I think it's good that you guys are doing camps and stuff, because um, that's a way for these high school kids that aren't playing um, to be able to stay relevant um stay relevant with just being able to see stuff now obviously you can't ever you can't replace game film uh you know that 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 is the number one evaluator uh what are you going to do when the lights are on um but it's big that you guys are are able to do these camps um and get that and that way coaches like us can call you guys since we can't get out and see these kids um you know we can't see them kick in person this year during the season we can't we can't evaluate Um, just seeing them in person in general, you know, just being able to size them up or, you know, see athletic ability or whatever the things that we need to see from a, from a tangible side of it. Um, And and so that's really big. And so I think the more videos, training videos, camp videos, and and obviously Friday night videos that they can send out the better, the better it is for us. But um, you know, these, these, these guys that have walk-on spots, I mean, those spots are going to fill up. You know, and, and they might fill up a little quicker this year. You know, I don't know how the walk-on spots will actually be affected. Um, I do know, you know, you get a senior that coming back next year, then a preferred walk-on spot uh, that sounded good with a, with a graduating senior next year. Well, now that guy's got, you know, a whole nother year to play. So does that walk-on spot really sound as good now um, as it did? So it's uh, it's a unique year. Uh, and it's not just going to be this year. I think a lot of people just think this year's class is going to be affected by it. And, and it's really not. I mean, it's going to be, shoot, I wouldn't be shocked. 2024 is affected by it um, just because the numbers game got put on hold <laughs> for for a whole year. And, yeah, the schools that are able to afford more scholarships will do it. But, you know, that's that's a rare – that that's a small percentage of schools that are going to be able to give out more scholarships here. Um that-
1: I'm just curious with that too, uh, do you feel that NCAA is going to allow for larger rosters or are they going to just say, well, you just don't have as many scholarship spots now because they're, they're still allocated to the seniors that are returning? Like, well, as far like, do you, as you see just a, a big pile of walk-on opportunities now?
2: Well, as far as my understanding goes, the um, and the NCAA has only spoken on next year, uh, which I don't, I, I don't see how it has it, got to go past next year. Um, is they're basically your seniors next year do not count for scholarship numbers. So you know, if you had thirty something scholarship seniors this year, that's that's thirty scholarships that don't count next year. You know, and so you can still technically go out and sign 30, 30 guys. Um, so now you're talking about next year you know Uh, you had had 85 scholarships or however many it is whatever division you are and now you got 30 incoming freshman scholarships coming in Um, you know but that's if a school can afford that you know if a school can actually afford to pay for 30 more scholarships on on top of what they're already given and so ncaa hasn't come out and said during a game this many people can can dress now i think that's where they got to go because you're going to have a competitive disadvantage of you know you got school that that can afford 30 extra scholarships playing a school that can't afford any extra scholarships well now you're going to have a team with 110 people on the roster on scholarship playing a team with 85 on the roster and scholarship you know and so it's it it kind of gets a disadvantage but that's that's what the NCAA has said moving forward. Is is basically your seniors do not count next year.
0: Have you heard anything about uh like a a, a one time like free transfer, like people can just transfer if the, a guy can transfer and not get penalized or anything? Like, is that like accurate? Uh, we didn't get any kind of justification on that or not.
2: Yeah, it's uh it's a proposal that they're um, putting on the table. Um and, and that's as that's as much as that they haven't voted yes or no on it. Um but it is it is a proposal. At some point they will they'll vote on it. Now when I have no idea. Um, but that is that's a proposal that's out there um that, that people are trying to get passed. If that
0: if that does get passed, obviously it's a complete assumption, uh, so it's not accurate at all. But if if, if it does get passed, how what would what would things look like then?
2: i don't know that's when that's when college football gets crazy in my opinion is you start letting people jump ship for free uh with no no penalties or questions asked one time you know i think that's when that's when college football can get really out of hand in my opinion
1: yeah that haven't they said that there's enough kids in the
2: transfer portal right now to fill like three or four teams? Oh, I'd believe it. Yeah, there, oh. there's, there's so many kids in transfer portal where there's not scholarships available.
0: Do you get notification every time someone goes into the portal?
2: Um, I, I don't specifically. Um, and it it's really just out there for for college coaches, you know, like we like we can log on to a website. Um, and, and look at the website, and, and that's really how it is. Is we, I'm sure you can get notifications for it, but I I haven't heard of that. Um, okay. I just know like if I could I could get on it right now, go to the website, and and search everybody who's in there, um, and and you can sort it by school, uh, position. And that's that's how you uh, sort it.
0: So like if a if a receiver goes into the portal, like you're you guys are not allowed to communicate with that person until they're in the portal. Is that accurate?
2: Correct. Yep. Now, division one. Division two, you still have to go the old fashioned rule. And division three, you got to get contact from the school to be able to communicate with them. But uh, if if a player from just say Arkansas State goes in the transfer portal as soon as he's in the portal, I can start talking to him. I don't need I don't need permission from the school at that point to speak to him.
0: Nice, cool. Well, cool. Um, I know this has been a little longer than what we thought, but I, I think it's all just super phenomenal information for everyone. Um, and uh, we just thank you, Coach. Um, so, you know, we're going to go into our staple question here, our question that we've asked everyone on the on the fourth down experience podcast for a little over three years now. And uh, you know, you as a as a player. Um, you as a coach, you know over your career, uh, what are five uh, stadiums that you've really enjoyed um, competing in over your career?
2: yeah, um, you know i i love I love out west uh, and I've been fortunate to to be able to go out there and play um, out west, but during my time playing we played in the University of Colorado uh, nice. that that place was was pretty sweet. Um, we got to play Montana. And the playoffs in December. Uh, so we got to experience what Montana was like in December, uh, which, which was pretty cool. Um, I would say that was probably the top, Montana was probably number one. Um, played Montana State um, in September. You know, that's just cool atmosphere. I mean, uh, you know, played Montana State, uh, coached at Oklahoma State, played at Texas Tech, coached at Kansas State, uh, played at Ole Miss, You know, in in the Montana, Montana State was definitely um, the loudest, the loudest out of all those stadiums. Uh, It was just very, very cool experience um, during that. So I'd say Montana's probably number one. Montana State was two. Um, Colorado, just because the scenery, was unbelievable um, out there. Um, And then, you know, I thought we played North Dakota State this year. Obviously, no fans were in there. but it was still cool. I mean, I, I wish fans were there to get the full experience, but um, just the Dome was neat. I mean, it was just yep. my first time being in a Dome, playing in a Dome, coaching in a Dome. Um, and I just, I thought it was really cool. Um, it was it was really unique. And I, I mean, when, when fans are in that place, I can only imagine what, it, what it's like on, on game day. Um, and, and so I would give that, Uh, That'd probably be my fifth, just because there were no fans. Um, You know, I think you add the fans in there, it would be a no-brainer number one to me. Um, And then lastly, the other one, um, I would say – I'd say Hawaii, but that's just cause the vacation part of it, the destination <laughs> place. Uh but no, Georgia Southern. We played Georgia Southern in the playoffs one year. Um, and when they're division when they're FCS, uh and, and, and that place you could just feel the tradition uh that they had and just the success that they've had um, through the years. And so um I, I would I would say those are my five and then with the bonus of of Hawaii. <laughs> That's great.
1: So I just want to spin off that. Um, of all the players you've ever coached against, who was the guy that maybe gave you the biggest nightmares or the guy that you were like, this guy's going to make it, like get to the next level and he's going to do good?
0: Re- Returnman-wise, Chris, or just like in general position player?
2: Let's go both. Um. Well, you know, re- return guy, I mean, I've only been doing it three years. Um. And really, we haven't faced a returner that was just a freak uh, since I've been doing it. Now, we play, we faced uh, Kansas State uh, in 2017 when I wasn't doing special teams. Uh, and and they had a phenomenal returner. Um, God, what's his name? Um, he's with the Chiefs now. He returned a touchdown the other day, a couple weeks ago. Nicole Hartman? Who?
1: Was it Nicole Hartman?
2: No, it was a uh, spate. no not Spate. Um Cheetah or what's his Springle? Oh Pringle. yeah, Pringle from Kansas State. Um he was he, he was a really good kick returner, and like I said, I wasn't doing special teams then, but he returned one versus us um for a touchdown and, and he was he was he was special. Um you know and and player wise, um let me think who You know the the guy, Illinois State's running back last year. You know he's starting for the Jaguars right now. Um, Robinson. Yeah, Robinson. Yeah, he's um, doing pretty good. You know he he played against us obviously last year in, in the playoffs, and and he was he was pretty good. He was just a big physical back, ran extremely hard. Um, but but we faced some good ones now. That Montana team we played, uh, they had they had two stud corners um that played a while in the league um the um the georgia southern year they had a, they had a safety that played for several years for the cowboys um and, and he was he was pretty he was pretty special
0: Man, go i was I, I liked hearing all the the um big sky country type huh. places that you that you listed that was kind of cool
2: Oh, like I said, I love it out west, and I was, it was awesome to be able to experience that, um, you know, and then that's, that was really cool, just going out to my, and we went out to, we've been out to Eastern Washington, um, so I've been out there, you know, that place was pretty cool, but it, it's not comparable to the others.
0: I, I drove from Spokane, Washington, all the way to Indianapolis, and then uh, I also drove from Spokane down to dothan alabama because when i played arena football and like i always heard big sky country and all that and like i kind—I mean i kind of knew what it meant until i actually drove in those states up there in the dakotas and mountain uh, montana and that's when i was like ah all right this literally the sky is like on my face like uh-huh, yeah it,
1: it's
0: like i get it now um and it was it was boring but it was like really really pretty so it was like really fun it was pretty fun to drive through
2: yeah no it's uh I love it out West. I love it out West. Well, cool. Man,
0: thanks so much, Coach Howard, for, for being on, uh, guys that everyone that's listening, uh, we'll make sure to have Coach Howard's Twitter account on here and make sure you follow him. Uh, he's phenomenal. He does a lot of great team, great things with special teams and coach. Uh, we just want to thank you for, you know, taking an hour of your time to to talk with us and helping the kicking and specialist community out.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's good. Good talking to you guys again.
1: Yep. Thanks, goes Howard. We'll uh,
0: we'll talk to you soon. Good luck. All right. Good Sounds evening. good. Yep. That's Take good.
2: care. See you.